All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. Groovy. Give me some sugar, baby. We interrupt our program to bring you this important message. Hi, I'm Chucky. Wanna play? You know, it's Halloween. I guess everyone's entitled to one good scare. Be afraid. No. Be afraid. Be very afraid. Ghouls and gore. And sometimes a little more. My bloody podcast. <laughs> Welcome back to my bloody podcast. It's so exciting to be back. We took a little vacation for Thanksgiving where we had all the turkey and we're just so happy to be back talking about horror here on my bloody podcast now on iHeartRadio and Spotify in addition to iTunes and Stitcher Radio. I'm Brian Kluger. With my bloody podcast and the man that I want to bring to a cabin with, always and forever, Preston Barta. What's up, man? Not much. How are you? I'm not too bad. I'm feeling groovy today. Uh, how was your Thanksgiving? Uh, I was stuffed. I stayed at my uh, parent-in-law's, mother-in-law, father-in-law's uh, house. It was their... 40th anniversary as well so they went out of town so we just house sat and went black friday shopping and uh watched movie screeners nice yeah i've been watching movie screeners uh what did you get anything cool horror wise for um black friday uh, i didn't get anything horror wise there's a couple of t-shirts that i wanted that had uh that were associated with friday the 13th and nightmare on elm street and i took pictures of them and i sent them to my mom as uh some christmas gift ideas but no i didn't buy any uh horror movies or anything like that i, I got uh john wick uh chapters one through three steel book so i could consolidate my collection a little bit and that's as far as i went everything else was for white elephant gifts and gifts for my son nice nice uh i'm i'm glad you found a, a few things keanu reeves style Yes. <laughs> well, excellent, excellent. We have a doozy of a show today. It is our 75th episode, Preston. Holy shit. 75 episodes? Are we 75 today? Uh, I guess so. Or is the Citizen Kane, I guess. I know. It's crazy. Do you think we would have made it to 75 episodes? No. Do you think we're going to reach a point where maybe after 100, we're just going to stop saying what number we're on because we're just going to sound really really old by then no i like i like the number thing is because i feel like so many podcasts don't go as long as ours true <laughs> and i like i like that it's 75 because it, it shows like our testament to actually working on the show mm -hmm. and that we've been doing it for more than a year and we still having fun and bringing guests on and all sorts of stuff so i, I like it good point I like that aspect of it. So yeah, 75 today, and what better way to bring in 75 than the movie that is my life, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> the, 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 the movie that started it all for me, movies, uh, outlets, what I do, The Evil Dead, the original from 1981, Bruce Campbell. I mean, I guess technically I could go Army of Darkness route, 
but uh, Evil Dead started it all. This off. this one was the foundation while you grew so much from Army of Darkness. Right, right. Uh, but yeah, well, we're gonna we're gonna be talking about that a little later. I think it's a good seventy fifth milestone episode feature presentation. Um, and of course, we've got um, our bloody questions. Our bloody recommendations, and of course, uh, our new edition, our bloody tunes, bloody music, where we pick songs, talk about them related to Evil Dead this week. And of course, we're going to talk about a little vinyl a little later, too, because um, of course, there's a couple releases of the Evil Dead on vinyl for you uh, record LP people. Um, but first, the bloody bits of news. Let's first talk about a new trailer coming out. From Stephen King. We have a lot of Stephen King news for some reason today or this week. But there's a new movie, actually not a movie, a TV series that'll be on HBO called The Outsider based on Stephen King's book. And holy shit, it looks really good. And it stars Jason Bateman. And uh, oh my God, what's his name? I can't remember. Oh, what's his name? The uh, I, I love him. Uh, ben Mendelsohn. I love that guy. Um, the trailer looks crazy. I don't even know what it begins to be about, but it looks like Jason Bateman might be a killer, but there's like a supernatural aspect to it. Uh, he's uh, convicted of murdering a child, but then he's like somewhere else while it happens, and I, it, it doesn't make sense. So I don't know really what to think of this, other than that it actually looks really good as a TV series, and it kind of evokes, I think, the popularity of um, the uh, well, the Matthew McConaughey, Woody Harrelson TV show. True Detective. True Detective, a little bit, a little bit, but maybe even scarier here. So I'm excited. Preston, what did you think of the trailer? Yeah, I thought it was a very exciting trailer. It's uh, I, I like seeing Jason Bateman in this like sinister kind of role, uh, or even in sinister material like The Gift. And so... I'm just curious. I mean, we're led to believe that, you know, or at least he says, you know, I didn't commit these murders. So it's that's what compels us to watch it. We want to find out, like, who is behind these murders. But then it has those sprinkles of supernatural elements all throughout that kind of bring it into this uh, Stephen King world to make it uh, more enticing, I would say. But, uh, yeah, I think the way that it's shot, even though it's got kind of like that moody gray blue tone, but I don't know. There's just like certain imagery throughout that just really has me uh, fascinated by it. So I think it should be a good show. I think HBO is constantly looking for something to replace past success. And since you brought up True Detective, I think they're trying to fill that hole, that boy's hole. <laughs> yes, uh, I'm. Um, I'm very curious on where it goes uh i was telling Preston earlier um there's something in college that i was a part of that seems very similar to this um and i'm wondering if it's gonna go that direction uh which would be crazy that means that stephen king and myself would have a, a similar mind. minds yeah which is pretty cool but uh yeah i don't know i'm um I'm, I'm I'm curious on where it's gonna go because I mean it could go like a devil route, it can go uh, like a ghost route, it can go sci-fi. I don't could, know. Could be Jason Bateman in another alternate dimension, like his alternate dimension version of himself was the killer, but yeah. he didn't do it. Yeah, no idea. 
so I'm 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 very I'm very curious. I'll I'll tell Preston after the show what my uh my thing was about and I'm I'm curious to see what he thinks about it. So we will uh we'll we'll, we'll figure that out. We'll we'll figure figure that out. Um I'll have to like record it and be like this it is uh December 7th 2019. We're sitting down with Brian Kluger, who says that he has this story to tell. We're going to find out by January 20th or whenever this show releases on HBO and see if it aligns. There you go. Because otherwise you could just say it afterwards and be like, oh, it was totally like it. Yeah, no, for sure, for sure. We'd have some doubters out there. We have some doubters. But yes, go check out the Outsider trailer. It's a trailer that doesn't really give much away. And I'm really liking, you know, these filmmakers and actors who were born into comedy and now doing horror like Jordan Peele and Jason Bateman. They're going to the darker edges of creativity. And I really like it. And they're succeeding at it, too. Yeah. So I'm in. I'm in. More so. Yes, I agree. Uh, let's move on. I want to talk about, uh, what we've, we've talked about it before based on the comic book series by Joe Hill, Stephen King's son and Gabriel Rodriguez, lock and key finally, finally getting a release date. They've been trying to do this for years and it seems like, uh, we will be getting this lock and key, uh, uh, series on Netflix starting February 7th. Um, very excited about this. What do you think? Yeah, I, I'm not too familiar with this, but anything associated with uh, Joe Hill and Stephen King is exciting. And now uh, Netflix, uh, I get really pumped up about their series now. Um, but reading through the synopsis, it sounds a lot like this movie that I've recommended on here before called Marrowbone. Yes, yes, for it, sure. Yeah, involving, you know, father out of the picture and then a evil house, essentially. Just like a a bunch of strange things going on in the house. Yeah, um, it's it's an interesting – it was actually – it's a really good comic book series. Um, If if you ever at a half-price books or something like that or a comic book store get one of the trades – and read them they're they're pretty good so when it came out you know maybe a decade ago uh or more everybody wanted this to be on film or on the big screen or on the small screen and it's just taking so long for it to get done but it looks like they're taking their time they're doing it right uh and i think netflix won't uh mess it up and like the poster is really cool for it uh i don't think we've seen a trailer for it yet so but hopefully soon we will but just know that it has a release date february 7th just in time for valentine's day right yeah it's a good time to get spooky i guess i don't i always think of friday the 13th with like friday the 13th happening on um in february right. even though it doesn't happen every year but i think the the 2009 Friday the 13th came out then, so I think it's a good time to release a horror film or is, a horror show. Is the next Friday the 13th? Is that in January? Um, no, it's not. I, no, no, it's it's December. It's next weekend. It's next Friday. <laughs> Friday the 13th, next Friday. That's awesome. All right. We should do something. We should celebrate. They don't have any uh, Friday the 13th movies that take place during Christmas. Oh, you know what? That is super weird to me, and we should get on top of that. Um, or not placed during Christmas time. Yeah, obviously, which is a missed opportunity, really. 
Um, okay, moving on. We have more Stephen King news. Jesus Christ. Uh, there is a finally a movie coming out from a Buick 8 based on uh, Stephen King's uh, story, which will star Thomas Jane and Courtney Lauren Penn. Uh, I'm very excited that Thomas Jane is in movies because I love that guy. And Stephen King's novel from a Buick 8, uh, they're doing their, they're, they're making this movie and uh, sounds awesome, you know, kind of like, you know, Stephen King likes horror cars. So uh, do you know anything about this? Uh, just a little, um, but I don't know. I, I just find, do you think Stephen King at this point, people approach him and just say, Hey, we'd like to adapt this into a series or TV. And like, well, yeah, I'm pretty hot right now. So let's, uh, let's keep it going. It was all because of it a couple years yeah. ago <laughs> when that movie made hundreds of millions of dollars. They're like, everything is a go because it's so weird because Stephen King in the nineties, I mean, people were adapting it, but there was only a handful, like maybe not even a handful of stuff that was actually good. And now it's just, it's like next level for Stephen King. That dude is rolling in the money. Yep. So, uh, so a Buick. If you haven't read from a Buick Eight, it uh, takes place in a, a small town where the state police have kept a mysterious 1954 Buick Roadmaster in a shed, uh, and the town is plagued by strange and supernatural events. And it turns out that this uh, this Buick Roadmaster is maybe a conduit for all this evil. <laughs> Which you know, I'm in. Right, let's do it. <laughs> Yeah, I like that kind of stuff. I like it. I like it a lot. So, and I'm just glad Thomas Jane's in it because I'm just a huge fan of Thomas Jane in everything. And uh, yeah, he was good in 1922, that Stephen King film. Yeah, I I do believe. Uh, I I think Stephen King. Do you think Stephen King like has a say in all this stuff, or do you well, think like he's just like collecting money? Well, I'm sure he does. He has some probably creative control, but I think he's at this point kind of allowed himself to you know free areas of the material for creators to come in and alter a little bit and just have fun with it because i mean even though we didn't like it chapter two too much i mean the fact that he's in it and then they can poke fun at the ending being terrible and still have a terrible ending (laughs) then it's uh you know that's 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 cool on his part Right, right. I think I think that is that is good. And it, you know what? Like I, I actually watched the commentary track on the movie yesterday on It Chapter Two. Um, and it's dry, but there's like a lot of like kind of cool tidbits Andy delivers, such as like um, Grandma Andy Do- Muschietti, and yes, Andy Muschietti, the director, like like saying like. Grimaldo Toro was going to be a cameo in this movie, and he was real excited to do it. But at like the last second, something came up and he couldn't do it. And I was like, "Oh, that's kind of cool." <laughs> no, he was he was in that that video game instead. Yes, Whatever. that's true. <laughs> I remember that. Uh, but yes, um, Stephen King. That's, there's lots of Stephen King coming out. So I think over the next three years, we'll be seeing just like every Stephen King stuff being done. But moving on, um, so M. Night Shyamalan's been in the news recently, and of course for his new Apple uh, original TV show, uh, what was it called again? Uh, damn it, I'm on the spot. Starts with an S. Yeah, Servant or Servant, something? yeah, Servant. 
Um, and I haven't watched it yet. It, there's like three episodes out right now, and I plan on like binging them this weekend. But uh, he, M. Night Shyamalan, the, direct, the creator of this TV show, Servant, was supposed to be really good, was in an interview and said that he has a few new big feature films for Universal coming out, and so allegedly they're all going to be super weird and very dark in nature. So uh, I'm very excited about this because I've really enjoyed M. Night's movies since The Visit. Because um, he's done The Visit, he's done um, Split. Split and Glass. And I really loved all three of those films. And um, I'm just, I'm glad he's like on a uphill swing now. And with this show, hopefully the show is really good. Have you seen the new show yet? Or do you, are you excited for more M. Night or are you done with him? No, I'm excited for more M. Night. Uh, I, I haven't seen the show yet. My uh, mother-in-law has Apple TV and she has like a free year of it. So I could watch it there, but I otherwise I don't have it, and I don't have a way to watch it. But that trailer was really exciting to me. Good, 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 good. Yeah. It's funny how like all they need to say is, uh, "Yeah, I'm creating something weird and dark, and that gets people excited." Because I, we're, we're all so hopeful that it will be an extension of his early work, which is very much cut from that cloth. Right, right. And I, I, I still don't get why there was like poor reception to Glass, even though I, I loved it. Oh, I understand. Uh, <laughs> I know you do. We've talked about it endlessly. Um, but um, I'm, I hope that, you know, he doesn't get something like a budget of like $80 million. I kind of like the visit approach where he's like, oh, I got five, seven million dollars and I can do what I want with it. And I hope that's the vision he goes with. Because, like, the visit was, like, equally funny and equally scary at the same time. And it was just, just worked so well. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, he's good with space. Not, not like, literal space, but just space in uh, places and the atmosphere. Like, he's good at kind of controlling those elements. It's... It's good. It's good stuff. I like it a lot. Is there any other um, any news before we get to our our little uh, LP record corner? Yeah, I wanted to bring up uh, some of the Sundance Midnight titles. Okay, there's there, there's a few that are pretty exciting to me. I'm not going to go through all of them. Um, you can you can look it up, but they're they uh, seem a lot like you know movies like The Babadook and like really fun ones. So. I'll just talk about a few. Uh, one is called Bad Hair, and it's this horse satire uh, set in 1989, and it's about this ambitious young woman who uh, gets into the world of music television. However, her career may not – it comes at a great cost uh, when she realizes that her new hair might have a mind of its own. Yeah. So that one uh, seems like a lot of fun. Uh, then there's one called, uh, what is it? Uh, there, it has a Rebecca, Fer, Fer, not, not Rebecca Ferguson, Rebecca Hall in it called the night house. And it's from the David, uh, Bruckner who's involved in VHS and Southbound and the ritual. Uh, and it's about a widow who begins to uncover her recently deceased husband's disturbing secrets. As you go through a lot of these, they kind of all sound the same. They all involve uh, 
life seems incredibly normal until there's a sinister presence involved. Uh, there, there's another one called Relic, not to be confused with that 90s movie, um, that kind of <laughs> that deals with uh, similar things of like fa- uh, family and then somebody going missing and then they they return and home or something like that and then there's like a sinister presence haunting the house and taking control of uh the matriarch um and that one was a uh, relic uh yeah so um yeah go go uh, look it up online there's 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 a a few of them that man i would really love to go to sundance uh for these uh, midnighters usually I get like so pumped up about the Midnighters for like South by Southwest and uh, Fantastic Fest, but these are this lineup for this year is like one of the few where I've looked through them all and I was like, all those sound pretty exciting to me um, and seem like my kind of cup of tea. Versus when I tend to get the South by one and Fantastic Fest, there's maybe like one or two in there that uh, are appealing to me. Are you going to Sundance this year? Oh no, I've never gone to Sundance. I, I tried once. Um, I don't. I either didn't get in or uh, funds or something like that didn't work out. And I think at this point, I'm just I'm good with staying in Texas. <laughs> well, all right. Cole James Cole Clay, our friend who writes for Fresh Fiction, I think he has because he's been you know to TIFF and Toronto. So uh, I think he at least wants to try to make one trip that uh, that way. Sweet deal. I like it. Uh, I like it. I like these movies. All right, cool. Uh, let's move on to the LP, the record corner, where we talk about uh, a record, a soundtrack. We're usually uh, based off our feature presentation, which is The Evil Dead. Um, I am one of the very few rare people in existence that owns an original copy of The Evil Dead on vinyl from Verez Saraband. Um, very excited about it. Uh, and I believe Mondo has re- released um, a, like a, new, a re-release of The Evil Dead soundtrack, right? Yeah, it's a reimagined one. A like re-imagined. he uh, did more work with it, uh, Joe LaDuca. Yes, Joseph LaDuca um, was the composer and conducted the score for the original Evil Dead. If you listen to it, uh, it's a really eerie score. It's very simple. You know, it's a little little organy. It's uh, not, but not like John Carpenter. And there's like a lot of wind and spooky sounds. It's like it's very effective. Uh, and it's, I, I love it too. And it, there, there's like an old school, like maybe Victorian aspect to it as well. Sure. Um, I, I really enjoy it quite a bit. And this record was super hard to find. I found it several years ago and, uh, I just, I love it so much. I love the artwork. I love the back of it. It's, it's greatness, but I'm curious this reimagining Preston from Mondo. Yeah. What, what what's because so on, on on the original one um side one has 10 tracks side two has nine tracks um and it's just i mean it's it's old school from 1981 um so it's it, yeah this one has 28 tracks wow so he really went all out because i think recently didn't joseph de luca like do a live recording of this for the movie or something like that I believe so. I'm not entirely sure about the facts of did he strictly just 
create this reimagining for Mondo. I know uh, there's there's like a there's some note that he puts in one of the the booklets that you can find inside the Mondo release where he talks about how he's been approached over the years to uh, make a reissue. And he's wanted to expand upon uh, his original score. And so this was like a great opportunity for him to do that. But I think when I went back and watched uh, the 4K edition of The Evil Dead, I don't recall it the, the score being different. Um, I think this was just made to be like an, an orchestrated version of... And I don't mean that literally. I just mean like compared to the the, the original being like an acoustic. It's just like a, a, a expansive pack of the original score. A, a lot of it is just extensions. They feel like kind of like B sides to the original uh, the original score. Um, there's elements that just feel like they have or songs and tracks that have like extra padding to them. Um, he experiments more with. Uh, different sounds like it, it sounds like a like a nightmare carnival um like a there's like you know when i don't know if you've ever played the guitar but at the very top where you tighten the strings you know where you can like pluck it and it has like this kind of nightmarish sound yep <laughs> yeah exactly so it, it has a lot of that throughout sprinkled throughout and then like under it it has like this uh what i would Im- what I would compare to imagining a demonic drummer twirling around on a carousel. It has like this just like repetition to it that just feels very evil to me. No pun intended, but (laughs) all the pun intended. Yeah. Uh, and from there it, it, the, yeah, like you said, Brian, there's a lot of like wind sounds It even, uh, I think it's like track two or track three on this. It has the the part from the beginning of the movie where you know you see the camera going through the woods, and it has like this, and then it cuts to the friends in the car, and then it stops, and then it cuts back and it's so the the way that he experiments with that is a lot of fun, um, and I have said in the past that if you don't use like synthesizers and stuff like that, which is, you know, I really like that kind of sound. Like I said last week with Halloween three, I, uh, I tend to like those kind of scores and I can play that at my house and be fine where versus this one is good to be locked up into a dark room with that's only lit by a candle and uh, like a smell of cigar smoke and you're just there with a pen and paper to write like death poetry or something like that. No computer, just pen and paper. And I feel like that's where you can find some inspiration from darkness like this. All right. All right. It's, um, um... So, yeah, it's, it's good. Uh, to speak about the design of it, which is uh, done by Graham Humphreys. Uh, this guy I really like too. So I follow a lot of these Mondo artists or artists that create stuff for, you know, uh, different events and, uh, screen factory slip covers and cover designs. And this guy's been, I've been following this guy for a little bit because, uh, he, I'm a big fan of like horror, uh, hammer films. And he created this great piece that has like Christopher Lee and Peter Cushing 
And uh, I really want to have that art piece on my wall. So he, I've, I've kind of described other artists as having a style that seems like it's very, like, like the picture of the person, like it's very like lifelike, but then it'll have like these different colors to them. Like this almost like kind of like watercolor visual to it that makes it feel uh, a little more otherworldly. And that's what uh, Graham does. So if, if you want to look up his work too, I highly suggest that he's done some really awesome poster work. He's done a lot of stuff for, Evil Dead, um, for instance, I have this steel or tin can case, aluminum case of Evil Dead 2. I have the same one. Yeah, that's a DVD. Uh, he made that artwork. Yeah, they came out, I think, in like 1999 or 2000 or 2001 yeah. or something like that. It's a, co- yeah, it's, a been- cool, it's a cool artwork for sure. Yeah, he's been around for a while. Um, so this one naturally it's a, uh, it, it looks like the book of the dead. Um, so like the front to back. So it comes with like a little slip, uh, the slip cover. There you go. That's why maybe why I love this so much. Um, <laughs> it's a, uh, it's really cool cause, um, it, it, it has like that, that it feels, it feels like you can touch it and absorb that texture of the book, like just very fleshy, but dead like. And uh, it has like this watercolor kind of look to it. I, I, I apologize to Graham if uh, that's not the case, but that's just kind of what it looks like. It's really all these like different beautiful colors. Um, but on the inside where you actually have the record itself, you know, you see Ash and he's holding like a, a, a tape from uh, that that's in the movie. And it says a nightmare reimagined. And then it has the evil dead logo along with like deadites and skulls and things like that. So a uh, lot of cool design, especially when you open it up and you can like see the inside, uh, like the cover or, or not the, what, what do you call it? The centerfold. Yeah. Um, it has a lot of like really unique designs, like snapshots throughout the film uh, that make it exciting, like the chainsaw and uh, uh, various characters in their deadite form, cards and the book itself in a smaller version and ash covered with blood. Um, so that's a lot of fun. And like I've mentioned before in the past, I really love when they go all out and they have uh, like a little booklet inside that i can read and it comes with these uh, nice little uh letters from joe laduca and then ones from ash uh bruce campbell himself and then one from uh, rob tapert and so they each talk about uh how the the score just meant so much to them and uh what's interesting to me is when joe uh, talks so much about how the horror horror has evolved over the past four decades and um, people have different expectations of scores now. And he just kind of wanted to put the original score through that filter of 40 years of knowledge. And then ultimately what we listen to um, from this Mondo record is uh, the, the result of that. So it's uh, it's really cool. I, um, like the design, like the listen, it's 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 a good one. Um, so there's still time to buy a really nice Christmas gift for somebody. Yes, get get them at Mondo, the re-release of Mondo uh, Tees.com, 
We'll be posting a link to it in our post. And if you're lucky enough to find a copy of the original and you have the scratch to do it, I suggest you do that too because there's nothing... It's interesting because the, like the, the cover art... Um, of the original soundtrack, the lady hiding behind Ash is not in the movie. Hmm. <laughs> so it's kind of like the Pulp Fiction uh, VHS cover. I remember, like you look on the back, and Samuel L. Jackson doesn't have an afro. Yeah, it's 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 weird. It's 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 interesting. I mean, it's Bruce Campbell on there, but it is the that's interesting. So. I mean, that, I mean, knowing how much production troubles that they had on that film, I'm sure there was a lot of things that wound up on the cutting room floor or just that they produced and didn't end up using. Right, right, right. Uh, but yeah, go find The Evil Dead um, on, uh, on vinyl. It's, it's good stuff and you'll love it. It's a, it's a damn good release. Um, so yes, mondotees.com. Get the new the the reimagined version. Uh, so that that ends it for news in our our LP section. Let's move on to the bloody question of the week. It's such a super fun one. We have some great replies. Uh, shall we get to that, Preston? Yes, and I have one from James Cole Clay. Oh, hooray! I love James Cole Clay. So. The in regards to Evil Dead, uh, the question this week was: If you and three characters from a movie are trapped inside the Evil Dead cabin, who would you choose, and who would be the first to go? <clears throat> so basically, let's say you can invite three movie characters from a movie with you to the Evil Dead cabin for a fun weekend. You read the passage, and the dead come back to life and kill you. How do you defeat the Deadites, and who is the first to bite the dust, and so forth? So, Preston and Cole, please, James Cole Clay, I cannot wait to hear what you have to say. And if we overlap, I'm curious. Yeah, all right, I'll go first. It's funny how both uh, Cole and I's picks are similar to one another. They're not necessarily the same characters, but they're part of either the same director or film. Um, so I, I picked, um, first Ace Ventura. Um, I knew I wanted, uh, Jim Carrey in there because he's a good laugh, but, uh, just Ace Ventura in particular, cause at first I was thinking Lloyd Christmas from Dumb and Dumber, just cause he would be entertaining and dumb and get everybody killed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but the reason why I want Ace Ventura is uh, just so he could shout the line from Ace Ventura to Nature Calls. This is a lovely room of death. <laughs> That's all ah! I want. This is yeah. a lovely room of death. Take care now. Yeah. Bye-bye then. <laughs> he would just be sar- sarcastic till the end. Uh. And uh, I, I, I would just find that very joyful. Um, and then, uh, you know, naturally I was thinking of like, you either go with like a muscle or you go with somebody super smart, but I, it just feels like these are, you just have to be lucky. Uh, you don't necessarily need somebody who's just wicked smart and, uh, like that. And so I, I just picked a bunch of like, uh, entertaining characters for myself. Uh, the second one would be Benny from Days Confused, and that's Ben Affleck's character. Oh, uh, just oh he's a ruthless asshole, <laughs> and he would be the first one to go. And I need somebody that's in front of me because I think naturally I would die, 
pretty early on. I do watch a lot of horror movies and then think, oh, I would do this. I would do that. And I think I'd be so overly confident that I would die. Oh, um, <laughs> so Benny would be trying all this shit and he'd be so scared because he wants to protect his image. And I think he would just bite the wait, dust first. Well, wait, 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 wait. Days and Confused. You said it's Ben Affleck's character, right? Yeah, Benny. I, so I thought his name was O'Bannon. Mm, I, I think it's Benny o, Benny O'Bannon. Benny. Okay, okay. All right. I'm, I'm curious. I was like, Benny? I thought that was... Who was the redheaded guy? And uh, I can't remember. Either way. I know who you're talking about. <laughs> I, I just hope that somewhere in this reality, somebody, when... When Ben Affleck's character O'Bannon goes uh, out to fight the forces of darkness, somebody goes, "Yeah, what a dumb shit!" <laughs> like they do in the movie. <laughs> oh, so good, so funny. I love it. Um, and then my last one would be Brad Pitt from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood because he is that he's like the chill kind of confident where. Versus, you know, what what me would be, you know, overly confident and then just wind up dying from uh, making simple mistakes. And um, he would just be so chill about it. Uh, so while Ace Ventura is just being overly sarcastic the entire time, I just feel I, also I'd like to just see them in a room together. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I think th- those were the, the picks that I would have. All right, I like it. Uh, so a... yeah, you were right. Uh, Benny is Cole Hauser's character. So okay, I was okay. incorrect. So yeah, O'Bannon for sure. All right, O'Bannon. Yeah, I, I always remember O'Bannon. Like uh, they just give him shit constantly. It's so funny. All right, what is James Cole Clay's? I'm curious. James Cole Clay said John McClane just because he can escape from things. And then he said the bride from Kill Bill because she's confident and relentless. And then he said Wooderson from <laughs> Days Confused because he will always have weed, make me laugh, and chill me out. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> you like to see Wooderson get everybody together in that cabin. <laughs> yeah, all right, I, I could just right. imagine him just smoking right in front of a dead eye and being just like, what is this dude doing here? And just blows smoke and tries to get the dead eye high. <laughs> Did you bring a chainsaw? No, yeah. be a lot cooler like, if you did. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, I like it. Thank you, James Cole Clay. I I, I enjoy that. Um, Want to hear mine? Yes. All right. So I'd bring Samuel Jackson's character Jules from Pulp Fiction because he's not afraid of anything and he would be super fun to talk with. Additionally, he would probably have some good one-liners for each kill. <laughs> Would you want him before or after he got shot in that shot at in the room because he took a, a different life turn after that moment? No, I want him beforehand. I want him beforehand. Yeah. So uh, him. And then I would have Ryan Reynolds' Deadpool for all the comedy. Hmm. <laughs> because I think he would just be hilarious. He'd probably sacrifice himself and then be okay. I know, right? Um, and then I would have Jackie Chan's drunken master as he mm-hmm. would, 
have us all getting drunk and fighting the forces of darkness. But unfortunately, Samuel Jackson dies first <laughs> for her. <laughs> and, and not for reasons that you think. Correct, correct. <laughs> but he dies in every movie, so I mean, really. Um, True. So, uh, but and it's got to be just as fun and cheap as uh, Deep Blue Sea. Yes, but he would. And I said he would die first, but not before delivering an intense speech and taking out a bunch of people. Yes. <laughs> so that's where I went with it, uh, which is fun. fun. I think we all kind of had some good. Oh my god, damn Ace Ventura. <laughs> So good. Do not go in there. It's just it works on so many levels. All right. So um, we brought this question to Reddit, and we have some goddamn great answers. Um, so I'm going to read off uh, one of these answers, and it's going to uh, v- immediately get Preston excited. <laughs> All right. And I'm super pissed that him or I did not think about this. So two kinds of people, if they were to bring three people with them into the Evil Dead cabin, all he said was, Mac, Charlie, and Dennis from <laughs> Sunny in Philadelphia. And oh, how good is that, right? <laughs> well, he cheated because that's television. We said movies. True, but I'll give him the pass, the, the pass on this because that is too good, though. Yeah, that Mac, would be Charlie, good. and Dennis go to the remote cabin in the woods i mean really yeah they should do something like that they really should and i I think it would be so funny i mean they kind of they didn't do it completely but like when dennis and mac moved to the suburbs yeah (laughs) it's just so good but mac's uh, famous mac and cheese (laughs) but i think dennis you're eating dennis Dennis (laughs) so good all right so um Another really good comment we got was from Booze Cooker. So uh, he said, Arkin from the Collector Collection movies is his first choice. That bastard knows how to survive. And then he said, Bradley Thomas of Brawl and Cell Block 99 is, com- mm. is also coming with to stock up on muscle. Lastly, I'm packaging Shaggy and Scooby-Doo together as my final choice. Got to have some of that good good on you for a cabin trip. They're also good at stumbling bass backwards into clues to help solve things. Also, dogs are cool. And then he goes as far as to say, Bradley dies first in a futile attempt at holding back a wave of deadites coming through the door. They take me next because I'm useless in most aspects. <laughs> Arkin survives begrudgingly sick of always ending up in these situations. Shaggy and Scoob are cartoons, so they just zoinks their way out. I thought that was pretty clever. Yeah. I like that. Um, E-Boy Myers uh, says, I would bring Tommy Jarvis, Lawyer Strode, and Sidney Prescott, only because they're my favorite final girls plus final boy, and I trust them to defeat the Deadites. I would probably end up being the one to read from the book because I'm an idiot. (laughs) But my only wish is that I get to be just like a little homoerotic with Tommy before I eventually become a Deadite. (laughs) (laughs) and then uh gemini nature replied just a little homoerotic with tommy now is this part five tommy part six tommy or grown-up Corey feldman (laughs) (laughs) 
And so that's kind of good. Uh, 91.80 said, I'd bring Tommy Jarvis, Laurie Strode, and Leatherface. I know I'd definitely die first. Tommy and Laurie are pretty capable, so they'll be able to defeat the Deadites without much of a problem. Leatherface is just there to hang with my dead body if he doesn't eat it before I become a Deadite. So It's, there it's funny how many of us are admitting that we'll die first, <laughs> despite having knowledge of horror films. I, I said Sam Jackson was dying first. <laughs> but yes. Uh, Squinch, Crunchly, Creighton, Duke, Dick Riddick, and Eleven, if horror-ish TV shows count. Duke would get tricked into banging a deadite that would rip his heart out and eat it. So there's that guy. Um, there's a couple others, but we're going to move on. I will post the Reddit link so you can read uh, the rest of the answers, but thank you for playing. If you have, uh, if you want to let us know who you'd bring to you to a horror cabin in the middle of the woods, a la Evil Dead style, please let us know at mybloodypodcast at gmail.com. But I like this. I really want to see uh, the gang goes to the Evil Dead cabin episode so badly. <laughs> yeah. So thank you, James Cole Clay. We love you, but we are moving on. To uh, our new our new segment, um, the Bloody Tunes, where we pick a song. I, actually, Preston, you explain this better than I do. Uh, it's just a song that pairs well with the feature film that we're discussing. So last week we did Halloween 3, and then we discussed uh, songs that we think would go well with that film. So this week, doing The Evil Dead, what is a song that would go well with that well, all right. Do you want me to go first? Yes, I'd like to hear what you have to say. All right. Uh, I gave this a little bit of thought, and one of my favorite singers, songwriters of all time. Does Pressa know this? Um, Frank Zappa? No, you're close, though. Uh, Tom Waits. Mm-hmm. Uh, from his album, Real Gone, there's a song called Dead and Lovely. And it's about uh, a middle-class girl who dies, and she's very beautiful, but she's dead now. And uh, never fall for her, you know, if she comes back to life type of thing. It's a really cool and really creepy song. And if you actually listen to this song, like most Tom Waits songs, it would fit perfectly inside the Evil Dead because it's super creepy. Uh, and with his, you know, low voice like this, it's super good. It's super creepy and amazing. On the album, Real Gone, please download it or buy the album on vinyl or CD. Tom Waits, the song is called Dead and Lovely. Uh, I love this song. It's great. Check it out. But Preston, what's your song? Uh, I, I got a little more uh, probably obvious with it. Uh, I picked Metallica's Am I Evil. Hey, now. Uh, just from Ride the Lightning. I, I, I love that album, and I, I think he has that also kind of gritty voice, especially when he was younger before he got so, yeah, uh, like he is now. Uh, it just has like a like an energy to it that captures the energy of the end of the film to me. All right. All right. Uh, do you, do you think, uh, I mean, I wonder if you could like overlay that song on the end of the film. <laughs> I'm sure you could. Uh, I think I've discussed this before, like even a song that you don't think would go well with it. Uh, for instance, 
you know, Peter Weller listened to Red Rain by Peter Gabriel when he was doing the shootout scene. And so when you somebody on YouTube did that and it worked really well. So I think you could do something like that and it would just have that fun energy to it. Kind of like uh, Zombieland since they use Metallica. I like it. So what, what song, what, what album is this song on again? Ride the Lightning. Ride the Lightning. All right. All right. Very cool. Metallica and Tom Waits. How have these two never done something together? Is beyond me. True. So uh, there you go. I love this. I love this. Uh, now, now I want to see these. I wonder if we have the time to like go through a scene of these movies and put the song in there to see if it does well. Probably. Uh, yeah, I mean, I would love to do that. I don't know if I have time. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Uh, still super good. But yes, that's our Bloody Tunes. Uh, check them out. Moving on to Bloody Recommendations. This is a segment where we uh, recommend a movie or TV show in the horror realm that we want you to check out, love, see for the first time, or revisit just because we love it and we want you to love it too. Preston, your recommendation this week. My recommendation this week is on Netflix today as we record this. Ooh, uh, so, Do I know what it is? I think I know what it is. All right. Tell me what you think it is. Is it the new serial killer show? Yes, it is. The Ooh, Confession Killer. Yes. By, by, it's based on Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer, right? Yeah. Henry Lee Lucas. Hell yes. yes. Oh, my God. Uh, Michael Rooker in the original film. So good. Yeah. Um, so this movie is a, or TV show rather, it's a five part TV show, uh, docu-series, I should say, keep correcting myself. Uh, really one of the most insane experiences I, I've had watching television. Like I got up from my seat, uh, my couch out of frustration. Uh, I was just completely fired up and just like blinding my nails, doing like all those like crazy descriptions people have when they watch something that just really floors them. Uh, just because this this show just is a roller coaster. I just experienced all the different emotions, and then by the end, I just felt like so crushed. So uh, it's a it's a viewing experience I really want to try to protect. Uh, if you do not know a whole lot about Henry Lee Lucas, I'll just report just or state the facts that uh, are probably most known about him, which which is kind of funny because uh, my knowledge of him was just as you said, Brian, like I just seen Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer, which is a very brutal film where Michael Rooker plays a killer who goes around with his buddy uh sexually violating and assaulting women and dismembering and uh just like a really dark space to get into uh that movie was made quickly a few years like after a lot of these uh crimes uh started to come to light um but he's he's known as one of uh america's most prolific serial killers he admitted or confessed to hundreds of crimes um a lot which is funny because i'm from denton texas he was actually sentenced in denton texas uh first for killing his mother and girlfriend and then so he's he's in court he's he's being sentenced and then he's found guilty and then all of a sudden he says what are we going to do about the other murders and then everybody's like what so um the first episode you're just getting finding like more and more and more information. But 
if you've really followed this story and which I haven't and my dad hadn't. And so a lot of people just kind of just followed it by, Oh my God, he killed all these people. But as you get on with the series, all these journalists, um, district attorneys start doing some digging and they find out that a lot of the information just does not add up the timeline of him confessing to these killings where one will be in Florida, one will be in Washington. And it just does not make sense how he would be able to drive from one place to the other that quickly. And they described it in the series. He would have had gas cans in his car, not stopped for any breaks, piston bottles just would not be possible. So uh, just finding the discovering all these little details is just super fascinating and uh man i had a good time watching this with my wife we both were just like just in each episode ends with like a cliffhanger and you're like oh fuck and you just keep going so thankfully netflix is bingeable they release all of them at once so you can watch all these episodes and then at the end of it you'll just be like oh my god and then you just want to talk about it so um it has you know, you know, exploring killings and things like that tied to horror, but then you're spending a lot of time with both sides of the perspective, uh, former Texas Rangers, uh, victims, families, uh, district attorneys, uh, people that represented him, him himself, a lot of archival footage. So it's like cut together in a really interesting way. It's, it feels more like a narrative than it does a documentary. So it's just a really well put together film and it's created by an Oscar nominated, uh, or at least co-directed by an Oscar nominated, uh, filmmaker who did, uh, food Inc. I think his name is Robert Kinner. Nice. Yeah. I did some research done research on serial killers for many, many years. And one of them was Henry and his buddy and, Otis. Uh, yes. And it is, it's, it was fascinating to read about, and I have not seen the series yet. I do plan to, but now Preston's got me excited. But yeah, it's an insane story of these two and the girl and everything. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah. Highly, highly recommend that one. You'll have a really good time, and you'll just want to pass it on like a disease. Oh, there you go. I like it. I like it, I like it, I like it a lot. Um, my buddy recommendation this week, um, it's not so much considered like in the horror aspect genre thing, but there, there's, there's some stuff to it. It's a film called Running Time and it stars Bruce Campbell, uh, came out in 1997, directed by Josh Becker and Bruce Campbell in multiple interviews has said that this movie he is most proud of Running Time and it is super fun, really cool, uh, film uh have you seen it preston i've never seen it all right it is night it's from 1997 and it is only 70 minutes long um and so the whole film is shot in real time and uh over the course of 70 minutes and is made to look like it is all one shot like so like 1917. Yes, like 1917. And it starts out in jail with Bruce Campbell in jail. His friends pick him up and they go immediately to rob a bank. And it is just super cool and like kind like of... Like Victoria. Yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's, it's kind of like 
it's intense. It's funny because of uh, Bruce Campbell's like wittiness and greatness, but like how they film it from like inside jail and like go directly to rob a bank and then the aftermath of it is just super good. And uh, they do a good job with the editing uh, and filming like the one shot type of thing. Like, it. It's it's great, uh, and I think this goes well with Evil Dead just because you can see like the versatile roles that Bruce Campbell can play. Uh, and who's I, it directed by? Josh Becker. Okay. Um, he so he um, Josh Becker actually worked as lighting uh, on the Evil Dead, mm-hmm. and then he did a bunch of. Uh, episodes of Xena Warrior Princess, Jack of All Trades, uh, and a few other things with Bruce Campbell. So I know they're friends. Um, and the guy's a writer too. He's written tons of essays on Hollywood and uh, films as well. But this movie is just super cool to watch. It's all in black and white, so it has like this noir aspect to it. Um, and it's like, you know, kind of similar to Hitchcock's Rope or something like that. Uh, call it all uh, shot in one continuous take. Uh, and I think if you can find it, running time, it's super short, 70 minutes. And it's just kind of cool to see how like a different um, suspenseful film like Evil Dead going uh, horror with it in this movie kind of having um, like a, a robbery situation it could be horrific as well. Uh, how the the two differ but are also kind of in the same environment, and I think it's kind of cool. Uh, I really like this movie, so I would uh I would um definitely recommend it. So awesome. uh, yes, yes. Um, but on to our main event. We are at that time, seventy fifth episode. I can't believe we're talking about it. One of my favorite films of all time. The Evil Dead, coming out in 1981, directed by Sam Raimi himself, produced by Rob Tappert, written by Sam Raimi, starring Bruce Campbell. Uh, This movie was filmed uh, for a budget of a couple hundred thousand dollars, and it ended up making uh, over about $3 million, which in today's terms would mean about $30 million. So it did crazy well um it's just it's just, it's so good so this the, the first time i watched this movie i was i think 10 or 11 years old and because um no wait well how old was i i was no i i was i was 12 uh, so not 11 i was 12 years old because I watched Army of Darkness first and immediately went to the video store to watch Evil Dead, this first one. And even though I liked Army, I love Army of Darkness, it's my life, this movie started it all. It's like you uh, watched Empire Strikes Back and went back and watched Star Wars. Yes. Uh, So this, my relationship to this franchise is just like a bond, it's close, it's part of, of who I am in all aspects of life. And, uh, I, I, I love it equally as all three of them really. Um, but this one is the more serious toned one and it just showcases like any filmmaker, you want to be a filmmaker And this, this shows like all what Sam Raimi, how talented he was and what he could do with such a cheap budget and some, a type of film that people would turn their nose up at. And in fact, they didn't because it's, 
widely uh, acclaimed. So, Preston, when was the first time you watched this, and uh, where does this fit into your body, mind, and soul? I think I I, I was I think I was in high school, um, so probably like fifteen or so. I remember watching it um but i i don't have too many like fond memories of watch watching it i I don't know i've grown to appreciate it a lot more as i got older um because i just enjoy the the energy of the the last bit of it because i think at that point i was being like overly critical like a snobby hipster that just be like well, the beginning is uh, so traditional, and they're all idiots, and nothing makes sense. And but then you watch it again later, and then I got, I just got it. And I was just like, oh, this is just so much fun. None of that matters. It doesn't matter. Like, I don't understand how the the possession part of it works, where Ash Williams can be scratched to hell and not turn into a deadite, while a woman can get stabbed with a pencil by a deadite and then turn into a deadite just makes no fucking sense. Um, but just watching him tear these deadites apart and watching them make these very horrific sounds and just the, the energy and tone of the film is what makes it a good time for me. Um, so that's probably my relationship with it. Sweet. In a nutshell. Yeah, I, I like it. Um, the Evil Dead, if you're unfamiliar with, like you'll see in part one and part two, and not so much Army of Darkness, but um, five college students, including Bruce Campbell and his girlfriend, and another couple and Bruce Campbell's sister, they all go to a vacation in a cabin in the middle of the woods. They find this book called the Necronomicon. They uh, read the passages. They play like an old reel-to-reel audio of it, and uh, it unleashes the evil dead. This these demons that get inside the living and possess them to kill you. Excuse me. And uh, they uh, only way to kill them is by dismemberment, bodily dismemberment. <laughs> So it's kind of uh, so in true fashion. Like if you've seen in action movies or horror movies, there's usually like a real strong guy or somebody that like can take all the day. That's none of that's here. Like in Bruce Campbell, the star of the series and film franchise, he's an, an idiot. Like he just gets thrown through the ringer and he survives somehow by the luck of his draw. Um, and so it's kind of cool. It's like like. Uh, it, kind of these people dealing with all of these demonic forces coming at them and just like what is happening over the course of one night. And uh, I think that's like the general plot outline in it. Uh, There's no way to escape because the evil thwarts them at every time. And uh, yeah, I think that's kind of the brief plot. But I'm curious, Preston, your, your thoughts on the film, because I think people know my thoughts on the movie, the evil dead. I just, I mean, I love it so much from everything from the, the actual camera angles, the shots, the sound effects, um, just how it's constructed. It's never slow and the practical effects are amazing. But what are your thoughts on evil dead? Like, you know, to a, a fan level and I guess as well as a professional critic level. 
Well, professional critic level, I think I would be highly critical of it. But if it, you know, especially if it came out today, I would everything that I noted earlier, I'd be examining with uh, um, thick spectacles and a red pen. Um, but like I said, I just find the movie to be fun. Uh, a lot of fun. I, I would probably give it like three out of five stars for me. Really? Uh, I would do it. I give it five out of five. And I don't think that's the fan in me. I just think that. You sure? I, I am sure. Yeah, how I do tell you, how you can why. you not be critical of some of those things, of things not making sense, not making an add up? If it was five out of five, I mean, uh, you could take this story and not, I'm not saying like uh, do it like what's his name, Fide Alvarez did it, um, because I do like this tone. I like that there's a little bit of a, a charm to it by it being dirty and not and sloppy. Uh, you know, seeing a close-up of a dead-eye hand and seeing the makeup just fall off the actor's hand. Um, so th- there's all that stuff that's just really sloppy that I, you know, I, can't, I can't disregard and say that it's a five-out-of-five five movie. Um, I would argue that that is the fan in you. I don't know. I th- I think if I were to see that today with my my spectacles and red pen, I would. I think part of me is like, okay, Sam Raimi didn't have a lot of money. He's like a young guy, but he got his friends and some people to make this movie, this crazy, insane movie, and it could have been terrible. It could have been. Like just the stationary camera looking at things, kind of like a Kevin Smith movie, where you just kind of post it <laughs> <Dude>. there. <laughs> no, no, I like Kevin Smith a lot, but holy shit, if you look at some of the camera angles and filming and pacing in Evil Dead, it is top notch on the work of any of the greatest filmmakers of all time, where they had millions and millions of dollars to use, where Sam Raimi didn't. And I think, you know, even the acting in this movie isn't great, but on another level, when they turn into zombies and deadites, like they sell it physically and emotionally, uh, which is crazy. So you're to working me. pretty hard to protect it. Um, I I don't know if I'm working really. I I just that's the way I, I look at it. I really think like how can you not uh not knock it down a few stars or half stars for just straight up admitting that the the acting's not good <laughs> okay so like if we're knocking down like a fraction of it it but it still works in this movie because it doesn't all of that doesn't last too long and we still get who the people are i don't know there's i, I, I think it'd be different if uh, sam Raimi went out there and and made this movie kind of like uh it's like tommy was out when he made the room like he he straight out to, he, he wanted to make a horror or not tommy was out but sam Raimi wanted to make a horror movie that scared people but when i watch this i'm not necessarily scared by it i just find it really entertaining and fun and maybe i could have nightmares based on the imagery but it's not just like in your face kind of scary where i'm like oh my god i got to get under the sheets turn the lights on um that sort of thing but you know i, I i'm i'm different like with, specifically with this film evil dead i don't think it I don't think it goes for like the laugh aspects like as Evil Dead 2 does when it went Three Stooges with it. No, it's more subtle. I think it was just like found out because they screened it and then people were laughing at it and he, he just accepted that it was this kind of movie and then he leaned into it for making Evil Dead 2. Right, right. Uh, I, I just think that there's a, a grueling 
terrifying aspect to this film. Just because I think, again, having very relatable characters who like <laughs> are not built. Well, they're like to- Jeremy Sonye characters where they're just like average Joe's regular people and they feel like regular people. So I think that I, I can give them points for that. No, yeah, and I like that. I like the guy works at like basically a Walmart or a Kmart. <laughs> and it's just like he's thrown into this and he has to survive. Uh and it's just he doesn't really. He just is thrown around and is left to the side, but it's it, it makes him. Uh but I, th- I yeah, I'm, in, I'm I'm curious on your you you told me that you would go through a fine tooth, but you like it for the entertainment out. You like, you can watch it with a bag of popcorn and have a good time. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's plenty of movies that I own and that I keep that I can, you know, be critical of it and say, Hey, that's a problem. Hey, it's a problem that when that woman goes out and gets raped by the tree and then go, runs back to the front door that's locked and didn't bother to go back to the back door where she came out of. And somehow there's a keys that they're that are outside the door how did they do that did they lock the door or is there an extra set do they climb out the window there's just like a lot of these logistic things that are (laughs) nudie yeah they're 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 dumb uh but there's but once you get a grasp of what kind of movie it is uh or at least how it's been received um i think you can be you can enjoy it i have plenty of movies in my collection that are like three star films that i enjoy and can watch every halloween but then you know i guess that's why there's movies like Candyman that i think are incredible horror films but also have a lot on its mind and i can just really dig into it um so there is they're just different areas of the plate when i'm feasting on something where uh this is like mashed potatoes, and then Candyman can be like the the turkey. Okay, all right, a little Thanksgivingness there. I like it. Um, so do you think this movie changed the landscape of the horror genre for its time? Uh, I would say so. I mean, it popped up at a time where there was nineteen eighty one, early eighties, Friday Thirteenth started coming out, and then a few years later we get uh. Uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. So uh, I think on its score and uh, all the things that you were describing, I think Sam Raimi, even though he was working on a dime, was able to construct something that felt like, yeah, it's heavily problematic. He was just making it with friends um, and with no money and putting them in dangerous situations. They lived in this cabin, essentially, they didn't get like a nice hotel. They were freezing to death and burning furniture to stay alive. Um, And then there's the shot of the chainsaw and there's an actual chain on it. Yep. So, (laughs) um, but uh, for like practical stuff, like even when they do, I think just the look of it, just a lot of the technical stuff and the, the look of the film, the way that, the, you know, in the opening, the camera moving around, and then the story of uh, Sam Raimi being on a motorcycle and then running into uh, Bruce Campbell and breaking a rib and stuff like that. They just went to some, like, Tom Cruise type of stunts to make this movie work, and it, it shows, except, you know, they got hurt. Yeah, 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 for sure. Um, I, I think it's... Uh... 
how they did that, you know, I just, I just come back to just how it was done, and that's, I think a lot of that is why I like it so much because they did like things nobody was doing on just I, I don't know, but I think I I do think it changed that landscape. I do think it uh, paved the way for like it's okay to like get your hands dirty and be gory and you know, have fun with it. Uh, so I, I instead, instead of not, you know, like Preston said, th- in during this time, the big thing was slashers like Mike Myers and Freddie and Jason. Those were, is a big time for them, but evil dead was not part of that. They were something else completely different, especially the tone of the film. I think that inspired a lot of filmmakers to make something that just didn't necessarily need to be, part of the same formula but you could use like similar familiar storylines but you can filter them through multiple genres right right and so you know i don't know if it's a fair question to ask but how do you compare it to the others you know do you compare it to evil dead 2 because because it's basically the same film uh do you compare it to army of darkness how do you compare it or even into the ash vs. evil dead series or even to the remake by fide alvarez i mean Yes, this is, Preston said it earlier, this is the foundation of this franchise, which is huge. And uh, I think this Evil Dead compared to others, like, you know, my favorite will always be Army of Darkness because I think anything and everything you want into one feature film is in Army of Darkness. Whereas Evil Dead is um, the start of something great and can show what it means to be scary and fun as hell. It's a nice blueprint. Yes. Um, And it's still fun to watch and uh, just how they did it. Yeah. All of it is it's super fun. Um, What's next for you? Is it Evil Dead 2 or is it the entire series? Um, so first is Army of Darkness, and I would say Evil Dead 2 because it's just so difficult to take something as horrific as Evil Dead and put Three Stooges in and then make it work perfectly. So I would say Evil Dead. I mean, it's definitely, I mean, it's not, I mean, it's like saying what's your least favorite Tarantino movie, basically. You know, it's, you can't do it. You like all of them equally, but if you are forced to put them in an order, I would say Army of Darkness. Evil Dead 2, Evil Dead 1, and then the series. Even though I love all pretty much equally. What about you? I think uh, Simpatico. Uh, pretty close. Uh, although I, I think I like... I still put this at the bottom. Um, I, You know, naturally, I, I feel like a, a lot of horror fans would probably say, you know, you still got to put the, the original in there because it's the start of something. But uh, when I'm thinking about just the entertainment factor i had a lot i had a good time with the series so i think i put the series above it yeah the series is super fun um but it all depends on mood like you said you could change them change it up right right uh let's talk a bit about the cast which you know bruce campbell fucking scott man yeah <laughs> he's the worst he's an asshole that that guy deserved it no i mean he he's a dick he okay so at first bruce campbell there's really nothing to be said about bruce campbell he's amazing we've talked about him a million times um and then there's the uh three ladies bruce's girlfriend scott's girlfriend and his sister um all great uh his sister cheryl is the one that you should believe nobody listens to and then you have scott 
allegedly Bruce Campbell's friend, but he just seems to treat everybody like complete shit. He runs out on people. He leaves people. He comes back like almost dead and then he dies. I mean, it's kind of crazy, uh, the this character, Scott. But there's not like a whole lot of people that you would recognize in the movie other than Bruce Campbell. But I think, um, and even in this movie, he doesn't have the one-liners or anything. That doesn't happen until Evil Dead 2, really. Um, here he's just kind of like a buffoon, but there's something about him, something about like he's just charming in a way. I think you know. Yeah, it's like they figured him out going forward. Like uh, if he was like Evil Dead Two, uh, Ash, and Scott was waving a shotgun in front of him, he'd be like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, man! What the hell is wrong with you?" Yeah. Kind of but it, but here he's just like. <laughs> so, uh, are there any scene highlights for you? I mean, uh, of course, there's the the the, the wood rape, um, the, the tree rape, tree rape, where all the interestingly all the trees come alive in the woods and uh, pretty much attack Cheryl, and then one goes right up there, just plop, ooh, and uh, she is raped by the tree, and she breaks free and heads back, but that enjoys it for a second. It, yeah, they they it did. Uh, <laughs> She was asking for it. No, she wasn't. Uh, and then the sap gets into her somehow, the evil sap, and it turns her into the first Deadite we see, um, which is good. Um, that's a great scene, too, because it's how they made all the limbs like twirl around and all that stuff. It's just it's effective, don't you think? Yeah, yeah, I, definitely. But uh, there's like a lot of small moments that I really like that feel big to me, and it's it usually involves like the, when the deadites like slap people around and they like stumble or hit the wall. Um, I like all those all those moments because they feel very uh, like a slapstick comedy to me. Right. Um, a couple that I really love. I love when Cheryl is down in the cellar and she's, you know, popping her head up and she just, she looks in one of the scariest images ever popping her head up out of the cellar and yelling at them. And then my other scene is when uh, Scott's girlfriend turns into a deadite and she gets stabbed, but then she like eats her own hand off while screaming. <laughs> oh, it's so brutal. And it's just, Oh my God. It's just, it's just so chaotic and you're watching everybody like watch her do it <laughs> and everybody's like what is happening here well how what's going on it's 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 excellent i love it and of course you know the motorcycle camera shots are awesome i love that so those are like scene highlights for me yeah um some behind the scenes stuff interestingly enough uh sam Raimi huge huge long long time friends of the coen brothers yes those coen brothers and the coen brothers helped edit evil dead which is pretty cool don't you think yeah, yeah. nice little detail I, I like i like that aspect um in addition to some of these behind the scenes that we'll tell you if you so bruce campbell and sam raimi commentaries audio commentaries on dvds and blu-rays are legendary they're super fun and funny and very informative and lively highly recommend it because you'll get a lot of behind the scenes tidbits in there but uh yes they actually did film they 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 filmed in this cabin on, on location in the middle of the woods they didn't have any money <laughs> 
And it was there for a long time. And they used all these practical effects. And everything you see these actors do physically, like fall down. I mean, they were actually doing that. And uh, they got hurt and all of this stuff. There was flies everywhere from the fake blood and having to be cleaned up. Oh, it was. It had to be a nightmare on set, but super fun, I imagine. Because I would imagine some of these filmmakers would rather be in that situation than maybe in like hundred million dollar studios. What do you think? No, oh, absolutely. Um, I mean, I would feel pretty uncomfortable uh, if I was involving a lot of actors that have a lot of experience. But I feel like because some of these people, you know, these people weren't known at the time. They were desperate. They would make anything. I'm sure the conditions were really, really rough, but uh, the results paid off. Right. And so the in The Evil Dead, originally this was a short film called Within the Woods that Sam Raimi did for like $1,000 or something like that. And he showed this to people to get funding for The Evil Dead. So if you can ever find Within the Woods... Um, it was his Kickstarter. Yeah, that was his, that was his, uh, his sizzle reel to make this. But yeah, the film was made in Tennessee. Um, and there's just, what, what, is there anything you want to mention as far as uh, behind the scenes little tidbits that are fun? Mm, I mean, I mentioned a few already. Those were the ones that stuck out to me. I don't know too many other stuff other than that. Yeah, and so uh, going to film school at Kansas, I actually, when I was making little horror films, I would um, I got my. Uh, my recipe from Bruce Campbell and Sam Raimi for making fake blood. So all the fake blood in Evil Dead was uh, all you can buy at Tom Thumb or Kroger or Albertsons at your local uh, market. Uh, Caro syrup, non-dairy food creamer, and red food coloring. Uh, excellent. And a little bit of blue food coloring to give it a little darker red. Mm-hmm. And that was it. And it tastes great because you're basically eating sugar. Uh, super, super fun. Um, but, uh, additionally, a lot of the actors actually helped with sets and building sets and everything else because it was kind of like a small family on, on the production of this. So, uh, pretty crazy, um, and interesting. And it was filmed in actually that abandoned cabin, which just really cool. Don't you think? Yeah. I'm, I'm, I mean, I often had, uh, fantasies about abandoned houses and stuff. I feel like everybody does, except they made it a reality. Yes, yes, for sure. Um, so do you, would you say that Evil Dead, um, or let's just put Evil Dead trilogy um, in there, do you think it's one of the best horror productions of all time, one of the best horror movie franchises of all time? Uh, it's probably... The one of the most revered ones, um, I wouldn't say, uh, I don't know if I would say best, um, but, but then again, I'm, I'm thinking of a lot of franchises and then in trilogies and, uh, so it could be, I, I would say probably, uh, just above the middle of the barrel, uh, f- for me, but, uh, but then again, when we were discussing earlier about how it inspired the, the sort of effect that it had on the horror genre, taking all that into account and how it influenced so many people. And, you know, probably because of it, we got stuff like return of the living dead and 
that sort of thing. Uh, you know, I'm sure like Romero, there's a, it's, it's just a contributing factor. So, uh, maybe for that, I, I'd bump it up. Right. Right. Um, and I like how in Sam Raimi's movies, like Sam Raimi's Sam Raimi did the original Spider-Man trilogy and, if you watch the Spider-Man trilogy, yes, you'll see Bruce Campbell, but you'll also see very similar shots to Evil Dead, like that are in uh, Spider-Man. Maybe a car. Yeah, maybe a, maybe a car, maybe a chainsaw. <laughs> uh, it's it's just really cool how they did this, and I, this will always hold a special place in my heart. The Evil Dead. Um, are there any parting words with Evil Dead? Do you think we'll get more? Do you think Bruce Campbell is actually done, even though he said he's done? Because he said he's done, been done for years, and then he did the TV show, and now he said he's done. But who knows? What do you think? Um, I think probably he's done. I it, it's it's funny how many um, times he's been so hopeful. Because um, I think I've said this before. I one of the f- first red carpet interviews I can remember doing was for the remake in 2013. Um, and I was the first one on the red carpet at South by Southwest world premiere. And I talked to him there and he was not very kind to me, just wouldn't give me the time of day. And I know Brian, you've had really great experiences with him. And then I I've seen him later on at, uh, you know, fantastic fest and, um, I didn't interview him, but I just his may, maybe you need to give him some money, <laughs> um, uh, and then he'll give you some good stuff. Um, but I just didn't have the best uh, experience with him the first time I saw him. But, and so it's it's just interesting to see how he's been very hopeful about the franchise, and then suddenly he'll just be like, "Nah, that's it." Like, I'm done. Um, I think it's great that he was able to get three seasons of Ash vs. Evil Dead. Um, because, you know, we we, would, we could not have had that. And then we would just had the remake, and uh, which I, I like that remake. Um, but I think probably at this point, I think the only thing that's out there right now is just that they're going to continue to make. There's there's either a remake again or it's going to be some sort of continuation of the 2013 one. But I feel like that's just a lot of talk. And I don't know if anything like that will actually come to fruition. So it could be very well dead. Yeah. And you know what? Like this Evil Dead with Bruce Campbell, the character, they've made numerous comic books on this character where he teams up with Darkman and Xena Warrior Princess and uh, Reanimator and all sorts of stuff to fight the forces of darkness. And then there's video games of this character. And might I say, every video game that's come out on Evil Dead with Bruce Campbell has been actually really good and excellent. Um, so hopefully I've heard that they're making another video game with Bruce Campbell as the voice, but I just, there's, there's a, this little movie has spawned so much stuff and it's just cool to see that people are still liking it and loving it. And I would hope that, you know, you know, Bruce Campbell says he's done, but you know, what if Universal, what if New Line, what if HBO was like, we're putting a lot of money into this Bruce, you're going to get two million an episode. You know, I feel like he's going to say yes. He would, but 
I don't know if he would have those producers that would be more hopeful than he is at this point. Because I, I could see Sam, the, the Raimi's uh, champion this. I mean, they want to do it. They want to make another one, I'm sure. They want to continue this arc or take it to different places because it's a very unique story. It's a it's a fun foundation, as we said. But trying to get people to be supportive of it at this point because, I mean, if the show got canceled, that, that that's probably... That's a stain that's hard to remove. But also, it's pay cable, and it was one of the lower-tier pay cables, you know? But, I mean, Stars did a great job with it. I'm not saying that they didn't. I loved it. I mean, yeah, it's true. Like, if it would have happened a little bit later, maybe Netflix would have picked it up. Yeah, Netflix, Hulu, Amazon, any of them. Like, if, if Shutter picked it up, it wouldn't have done great, I don't think. It's because not many people. But I think it just needs that wide range of people because i think that more accessible i don't know something like that but i i hold out hope um because you know preston said i had talked to bruce campbell many times over the years i've interviewed him i've talked to him i've had really good experiences with him and 95 percent of that time you know he would start out talking like you know no there is not going to be an evil dead four and then of course we got you know eight or 10 hours of evil dead four basically and I just, I love it. I love that. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I just love this. I love the first film. It's it's grimy. It's gritty. It's horrific. It's fun as shit. And it gives the world Bruce Campbell. So I'm forever thankful for it. And hopefully Preston is too. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. Okay. Yeah. Maybe. I'm going to I'm going to be Ted Ferguson on this one. He he's 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 Turd Ferguson on this one. It's it's drive or nothing to Preston. That is exactly true. <laughs> That's exactly true. Well, thank you for listening with us on our 75th episode. We love each and every one of you. We're going to do 75 more episodes um bringing you all the horrorness to you. Um, we have a couple of really good, uh, podcasts coming very soon, uh, before the end of the year, including, uh, we're going to have a special guest on our show, Nathan Johnson, who is the amazing film composer, um, who's worked with his cousin a lot. You might've known him, Ryan Johnson, who directed Looper and Brick and Knives Out and Star Wars, uh, The Last Jedi, um, amongst other things. Uh, so we're going to have him on the show uh, before the end of the year. And then, of course, we're going to bring our good friend James Cole Clay on the show. And we're going to have a end-of-year horror telethon, marathon, whatever you call Decade it. Decade two. Decade two, yeah. It's going to be intense, insane, and super fun movies from 2010 to 2020 that we loved or hated uh, expect that before the end of the year on my bloody podcast. I am Brian Kluger, and you can find me at Boomstick Comics and High Def Digest, where I'm talking about movies and Blu-rays and 4K and all sorts of other good stuff. And of course, you can find me on YouTube. Type in Brian Kluger, and you find some fun, hilarious stuff. And then you can search on to find Preston Barta. All over those sites that deal with the black market and kidneys and stuff like that. I don't know what he's doing. Where can they find you, Preston? Yeah, I'm like Heath Ledger from 10 Things I Hate About You. I've, I sold my uh, 
kidneys for a duck dinner. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he liked a duck. Yep, really well. Everything but the beak and feet. Um, yeah, you can find me on Ditton Record Chronicle, DittonRC.com. Uh, careful where you click. You only get three free clicks a month, article reads. But fortunately, I am also starting to repost a lot of the things that I post on there on Frustration.tv. Uh, you'll just have to search it because I want to give my other writers uh, – a better platform than myself um, because they actually reviewed this movie for the site and then mine you have to do some digging but uh you can find i, I did uh, interviews for the confession killer uh, i was able to watch it a couple of weeks ago actually ah, i'm just that special um it was just again really <laughs> love that franchise or love that show and i just want to recommend it again but i really enjoy talking to the directors and uh even talk to them about com- possibly coming on the show um because there was so much stuff that we wanted to talk about that we couldn't because like i said i wanted to protect the viewing experience and the, there's some things that they said that they i had to redact from my interview uh that yeah just uh they would say something like oh no no, no, that's off the record um so it was really fun uh interview um so if you'd like to find that you can look on frustration.tv that one actually is on the the home page near the top so you can find that um and then yeah that's where i am doing blu-ray stuff movies uh, theatrical releases it's the near the end of the year so watching a lot of screeners and preparing for my top of the year list so it's uh it's a good time to be a film critic there you go from the words of the master himself we'll be back very shortly uh with some goodness we love you my bloody podcast ditcher radio itunes iHeartRadio, and spotify look us up subscribe 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 we'll be back soon love you is the the supporting person that the main character is trying to convince them that there's something going on. But in this one, it's completely reversed that the supporting character, you know, dies first. And that's what gets, you know, is the domino effect of the rest of the film. Um, So just the fact that Wes Craven was deep enough to deconstruct the genre in a way, turn it inside out, play around with the formula in such a way while, you know, bringing all these nightmarish elements to it that make it more of a fascinating uh, film uh, is, is it's crazy that he was able to stack that in such a way, especially after coming off of uh, the Hills have eyes part two. But uh, I guess uh, filmmakers, even though they can make a bad movie, they probably have a good one up their sleeve. No. Yeah, for sure. For sure. For sure. Um, And uh, just one more little bit of, uh, behind the scenes stuff. Ralph Macchio was considered for the part of Rod in the movie. 
<laughs> which is just super funny to me. And Charlie Sheen was interested in the role of Glenn, which but it went to uh, um, went to Johnny Depp. So it just I think even Pony Boy, C. Thomas Howe, yes, too. Um, yeah, he he'd probably be a pretty good one. It was super cool. Uh, but yeah, that's, you know, Nightmare on Elm Street. We want you to see it. You can buy it. Uh, Blu-ray, DVD. It's not on 4K yet, hopefully soon. Uh, yes, this movie gets my highest recommendation for sure. Nightmare on Elm Street, the highest recommendation. Must own, must watch. Uh, it's still great. It still holds up in pretty much all fat forms and fashions. Um, so yeah, definitely. Preston, what do you think? Yeah, absolutely. It's it's uh it's one of my it's my favorite horror franchise. Um I have this poster hanging up in my house, so that's a big deal. Yeah, I have I have an original Nightmare on Elm Street poster hanging up framed in my place. So it is uh it, we're we're both there together, sir. Um I'm I am a fan and We are uh, brothers of the glove. We're brothers of the glove and we're boyfriends of the glove too. We'll save that for part 2. Watch we already did part 2. <laughs> um <laughs> so yeah, Nightmare on Elm Street. We are my bloody podcast that concludes this episode this week. Uh we will come back next week for more holiday horror stuff. Um we uh are on uh, Boomstick Comics. We are on iHeartRadio, Spotify, iTunes, and Stitcher Radio. You can find me at High Def Digest and Boomstick Comics, amongst other places. Brian Kluger on YouTube. And you can find me on Reddit, of course, everywhere. And then, of course, Preston, all over the adult websites, right? Yeah, apparently in restricted sections, too, because now the Dittenrick Chronicle has a paywall up. So save all your clicks for me because you only get three free ones on dittonrc.com if you were to read any of my reviews or uh, Blu-ray reviews, interview articles. Uh, it's a bit of a bummer that, you know, that's where local news is going. Uh, Got to support local news, man. Um, so I'm going to have to start double posting stuff on freshfiction.tv where I'm the features editor. Uh, mainly I just like control, have the controls and I don't put so much of my own content up there, but I'll be doing that more often now. Well, very good, man. Find us. We'll be back next week. My bloody podcast, say it three times and we'll enter your house. Uh, we love you and we'll be back next week. Thank you, Preston. Thank you. <laughs>